Hello, this is Boom Goddess Radio. This is Jennifer Davis Page, one of the co-hosts of this wonderful podcast. I'm here in studio today with B.B. Peters, my wonderful co-host, and my other wonderful co-host, Dr. Andrea Gould-Marks. We're in studio this morning interviewing a wonderful friend of ours, Sabrina Rigas. And um, welcome, Sabrina, to our podcast. Thank you. Glad to be here with you guys. Sabrina is uh, is the owner of the Urban Grove, and and you know I have never seen you know a lady from New York and Chicago. I've never seen oranges grow. <laughs> oranges and lemons and grapefruits grow in the middle of the city, but it's a magnificent, magnificent um, property, and you should be very proud. And I, I'm sure you are. Sabrina, it's so nice to have you here. Thank you for joining us. What a cool name, the Urban Grove. What is it exactly? Tell us, please. And how did you come up with that name? Actually, the Urban Grove is an oasis in the desert, I guess you would call it. Um, It's like a little sanctuary in the middle of the city. And um, the Urban Grove, the name the Urban Grove, um, I don't know, we were thinking about it my daughters and my husband and I around the table and we thought about what we could we call this beautiful piece of property located within the Casas Adobe's neighborhood and we were thinking just um, just to put outside of our gate you know just a nice little plaque stating what it is and so we thought, well, we're in the urban vicinity of Tucson and sort of like an oasis. So we thought, oh, the urban oasis. Then we said, well, that includes our date palms. But then we also have our citrus trees and they outnumber our date palms. So then we decided, well, urban grove, the grove. So we thought, oh, the urban grove. How fantastic and that is came that? Around the t- I kind of love that too because it's got the grow word in it. Yeah. And yeah. aside from the multiplicity of goodies that are growing there, right. there's another agenda also in terms of the way you feed people, the growth that mm-hmm. comes from good nutrition, plus the events that ultimately burgeon out of that. So. Yeah, let's hear it for growth and grove. It's so adorable. You know, we always talk at Boom Goddess, we always talk about creativity, reinvention, and following your passion. Let's go back before there was the urban grove and delve into the mystery of Sabrina. What brought joy to your life and what did you enjoy doing prior to the urban grove? Well, um, I grew up in Tucson and um, I went to school here, uh, elementary, junior high, high school. And then I went off to uh, Northern Arizona and I became a student at the NAU, Northern Arizona University and graduated from there. I majored in social working, working specifically with juvenile delinquents and minored in archeology, span did some archeological work uh, around Arizona and, and around Tucson. And then I met my future husband um, a young man who um, came from another world than myself. Um, he came from the Middle East, and then we had a relationship, of course, and we got married. 
And off I went to the Middle East to live with my husband, who was an electrical engineer. What a distance from Tucson. Right, right. But it's similar in some ways, right? Two two very important deserts, huh? Yeah, right. (laughs) (laughs) We live in a semi or a desert. That desert's a little different. Everybody would say, oh, you come from Arizona. Very similar to the uh, Arabian Gulf region. I said, not quite. Not quite. Yeah. Let me rephrase that. semi desert. Um, so is that where you're cooking, your passion for cooking and developing recipes and the, your love affair with food began? Or where, if not? Well, actually, I wanted to work in the culinary world. I wanted to be a chef. And my mother, a French native, was a French native woman. Um, who in her family owned a bakery and pastry. It's like a boulangerie, pâtisserie. Ooh, in, ooh, could you uh, say that again? Boulangerie, <laughs> pâtisserie. <laughs> yes, my mother was French, so I do speak some French, of course. And um, sh- her family still has that bakery and pastry shop for the last hundred years now near Strasbourg. She's actually Alsatian. And um, so there is that background with food. And then my father's family, a native of Tucson, um, his, his father, my grandfather, came from Greece to Tucson and was also a chef for the original El Conquistador um, Hotel off of uh, Broadway. And uh, so I guess it's in me. Oh, and I really wanted to become a chef. And my, my mother kind of directed me away from that because at that time it was more of a man's world I guess she looked at it and mm-hmm. it's very difficult so it's always in me I always cooked since college I cooked for my friends I've I've just loved being around the kitchen so when I arrived in uh, the Middle East I couldn't uh, do any kind of social working I didn't know the language I'm not familiar with the language there it was too difficult so what else am I going to do I did some tutoring with French and um then, of course, I observed my husband's culture and a lot of my expatriate friends who've lived in the area um, asked me a lot about it and the foods. And I started learning by just visual and um, from my husband's family. And then I started just making the foods and everybody wanted to learn how to do it. And that's when that all started when I developed these special cooking classes and cultural talks about my husband's culture. Amazing, just those words. I want Dr. Um, Andrea to comment on this because I know she's just bubbling with um, excitement about it. But the two words, right? Learning and creativity. Okay, oh my God, I'm so excited, go. (laughs) No, we're totally into learning and creativity. And so, you know, it takes us to be planted in a whole other environment to begin, you know, provoking parts of us that Mm -hmm. we haven't used Mm -hmm. into an alive place, right? Mm -hmm. And then the contributions of the environment Environment, whichever the environment is. I mean, you had lots of contributing um, environments, you know, between French and Greek and then Middle Eastern. So your whole psyche was really prepared to make a creative combination out of all of that. Exactly. So there was a lot that came from that, and including my grandmother, excuse me, um, who married my Greek grandfather. Um, she was of Mexican descent and came from Topeak, Mexico. And she um, cooked uh, tortillas in front of me and all those wonderful similar things mm. to the Middle East because in the Middle East they also cook a flat bread. So these were mm-hmm. things that came all together 
you know, for me. And um, like I said, I developed a uh, cooking class, basically um, teaching the expatriate population there how to make Arabian coffee and uh, specialty Arabian dishes. Can and you comment that, uh, on that just a little bit on the Arabian coffee? Because we have Cuban coffee, we have all kinds of different coffees. We have, of course, Starbucks coffee. But tell us about the Arabian coffee. <laughs> which comes from everywhere. Yes. Which comes from everywhere. Yes. Actually, Arabian coffee, basically, when I say Arabian coffee, the beans are coming from South America and also Yemen. Yemen has a very good quality of type of beans. So a lot of their coffee came from Yemen. And of course, now with importing South American coffees, as I said, comes in. And the way they make it, basically, they take the green bean and they roast it in in an oven and a tray. And then they grind it up in a grinder. But they roast it to a light brown, uh, toasty look. It's not a deep, deep black almost bean and that's what makes it different and then they boil it almost like ranch coffee out in the ranch you know on a camping trip in a pot and then they add cardamom to it which Ooh, is known as yum. hail or hail sorry hail and um, they serve that with dates and it's delicious the diff the two combinations of cardamom and coffee which is really interesting um, at first, when you take that sip, it's kind of a shocking <laughs> blend. <laughs> but with the dates, the fresh dates, it's wonderful. It's actually, it's very much um, uh, thought after in all of the Arabian world. Can we get that coffee in locally? Um, you can buy the coffee beans. Um, the, some of the Middle Eastern um, uh, grocery stores here, one of them is Caravan. Okay. And another one is Babylon on Speedway. Caravan is the oldest Middle Eastern uh, store that's uh, located on Country Club. And oh. they carry the green coffee beans, and they direct that to their customers that come from the Arabian region. So my husband's from the Arabian Gulf area. So that particular type of um, cooking, that type of uh, coffee, um, they supply the green beans for them. Now, while, while you were in Saudi Arabia, you created some amazing international cookbooks. Tell us a little bit about them. Well, I was involved in, oh, three of them, yes. I think three cookbooks. And it was, um, uh, well, combinations of recipes from my expatriate friends and my Saudi Arabian uh, friends um, that we put together. And uh, the community we lived in was an industrial city that was um, developed by actually um, for petrochemical industries um, using, of course, oil as a ba the base product to develop petrochemicals. It's like a secondary industries. And Saudi Arabia built this city out of the sand in the Arabian Gulf. There was a small fishing village there called Jubail, Al-Jubail. Wow. And it's not too far away from Aramco, about an hour away from Aramco, which is the oil. And there were expatriates from all over, from the United States, England, Europe, all over Europe. And majority of the Americans that came there were, of course, from the oil industry of Houston, Texas, Oklahoma, and Louisiana. And uh, it was a large population of expatriates because the projects were just starting up and joint ventures with major oil corporations and petrochemical corporations. So we had these women's organizations and we decided 
to put these cookbooks together. And um, we called some of the cookbooks Aromas of Arabia, uh, Taste of Jabail, and uh, Simmering Sands was an older cookbook that was before me. But um, we just uh, decided to put these wonderful you know, recipes from everywhere together in one form. What a, what a sweet community it building was. process that is. And how community rises up so enthusiastically when it comes to eating. Oh, yeah. This is a really, <laughs> I think, a wonderful place to sit and savor for a couple of minutes. We'll be right back. Welcome back, everyone. So we're here. At, this is B.B. Peters with Dr. Andrea Gould-Marks and Jennifer Davis-Page, your favorite boom goddesses. And we're talking with the amazing Sabrina Rigas, the founder and owner of The Urban Grove, right here in the middle of downtown Tucson. We're so happy to have you here, Sabrina. Thank you so much for joining us. And we were just talking about Sabrina's adventures in Saudi Arabia and creating some amazing cookbooks. And we have had the pleasure of sampling some of her beautiful cooking. Sabrina, what are some of your favorite things to make? And do you repeat things ever? Because in my memory of knowing you for about 10 years, I don't think I've ever had the same thing twice. <laughs> it's funny. When I started these cooking classes, <clears throat> you know, it was just basically teaching everybody about food is always a great, great introduction to a culture. And that's what I did. I used food to introduce a culture that was a very private culture and a very difficult culture to really get into. And a lot of my friends, I was the closest thing they could, you know, um, get to understanding the culture. So food is always a, a wonderful way of uh, introducing. Um, then, uh, you know, the the types of dishes that I focused on, of course, over there were the Saudi Arabian dishes like kapsa, which is chicken and rice and a wonderful combination of spices like cumin and um, mm. turmeric and um, saffron. And so, but a lot of the dishes reminded me many things from the, um, the Mexican culture here in Tucson. So it was very familiar to me and some of the Greek dishes and so I just uh, made sense out of it all. We, they use the same ingredients, I mean, basically rice, and they just cook it in a different way. Um, and so this has actually followed me for 20, over 20 years. And uh, over the years, I've developed a lot of favorite dishes. Some of my favorite dishes are actually a sauce, called a garlic sauce, when you eat it with a beautiful a uh, combination of kebabs and um, I, I don't know what to say with my favorite dish because I have a lot of favorite dishes. One of them um, has nothing to do with the Middle East. It's called sauerkraut where my mother came oh, from. Oh, we know sauerkraut. I know. So when, I, when, my, when I've had this question asked to me many times and I would tell my students that, you know, what is your favorite dish? I said, actually, it's sauerkraut. And he said, okay, where does that come from? <laughs> I said, well, my mother is Alsatian background, and that's where sauerkraut comes from in Alsace uh, region. So I grew up eating sauerkraut a lot in my family in France. But I also have some other favorite dishes. I love my um, cheese crisps of Tucson, the cheese crisps that we used to always eat uh, 
with our margaritas. Mm, yeah, mm, so mm, cheese mm. they're very popular. And of course, the tamales my grandmother used to make. And uh, yeah, so um, it's a lot of, you know, I, I have a lot of favorites, you know, so it goes across. So I don't any have any one particular favorite. You know, it strikes me in your choice back when you were a young college girl that in addition to the social work, and let's not even mm-hmm. think about anything besides the social word of the social work, mm-hmm. and then the archaeology aspect mm-hmm. where you go digging into cultures. So exactly. you dig into all these cultures, into the Greek culture, into the into the Middle Eastern culture, into the European culture, Mexican culture. I mean, I'm not quite sure there'd be too many more. I mean, Asian is not in that little mix right now. Not that I know of. But to connect, (laughs) you know, to connect your, you know, your cultural explorations and archaeology and then come up with food as the the, um, basis for all that. I just think it's it's just amazing. It's always interesting to me that that happens. And to be so open, right? If we uh, just kind of think not xenophobic at all, no, no, (laughs) to be so open and uh, welcoming of the flavors of different cultures and the diversity and the diversity Diversity. and how that's enriching to Sabrina's lives to our lives. Uh, Sabrina and I talked about Louisiana cooking. How did the Arab friends enjoy your gumbo and jambalaya when you introduced it to them? Well, you know, actually, my my. My favorite part of uh, living in Saudi Arabia were my Louisiana friends. Oh, my goodness. Um, I have to say the cuisine is very similar to the Arab cuisine. Um, Basically, when I was teaching some of my Louisiana friends, it's everything in a pot. And the more flavorful it is, the better it is. They said, oh, my goodness, this reminds us of Louisiana cooking. Um, I did learn from them some of the dishes. Uh, One of my favorites is a deep fried turkey. So, yes. yes, I learned how to cook a deep fried turkey in Saudi Arabia. And everybody says, where did that come from? Long story. But, and I also, another similar dish in the Saudi Arabian cuisine is bamiya, which is an also in other Arabian cuisines throughout the region. But bamiya is an okra stew with, made with lamb. You can make it with beef. Mm. And my Louisiana friends are okra people. Absolutely. And I was actually... Um, involved in uh, teaching a lot of okra dishes. And so there is a great love of okra among the Middle East. Very, very popular. So there's a lot of similarities with Louisiana cuisine. Well, you know, by listening to you, you, you find that around the world, there's very, very similar in, exactly. in terms, just very, I guess, different spices mm-hmm. to make it have a, a different mm-hmm. flair to the, to the recipe. But basically, we're all eating the same thing, but prepared differently. Exactly. I had one question asked to me. I mean, I've got, I always said there's no stupid question when I tell my students, but it always floors me, some of the questions. <laughs> and I have to keep a straight face. But one woman asked, it was in a social time or something like that, and she asked me, do, do they eat normal food? <laughs> and I looked at her, and my Canadian friend next to me said, started hitting my, oh, don't feed now. Take it easy, Sabrina. <laughs> and I, I said, no, I looked at her. I said, well, you know, my, you know, your husband, actually, she was referring to my husband. And I said, well, you know, he eats meatloaf, you know, and 
mashed potatoes, <laughs> the bland you know, blase. Actually, you know, you know, you, you know, meatloaf. I, yeah. I do love meatloaf and mashed potatoes and green beans. I actually do like that. But I also add a little flair to the meatloaf. You could add a little bit of some spice combination to your meatloaf and spice it up a little bit. You can do that with anything. anything. Just take a chicken and rub uh, some olive oil and add a little bit of cumin and coriander on there. Add some lemon juice from my grove and just throw it in the oven. So speaking of that, what would you say are the essential tools of uh, somebody who loves cooking? What is the, you know, you mentioned olive oil, you Mm -hmm. mentioned oils, Mm -hmm. you mentioned spices. Could you talk a little bit about how you develop that flair for combining those? Because I'm I'm quite sure you probably don't follow recipes. You write cookbooks, (laughs) but you probably intuitively go ahead and create. How does that work? Well, you know, when I put the recipe together, sometimes my daughters would always say, write it down. And it's it's hard for me to write down sometimes recipes because I just go in the kitchen and I say, well, you know, it needs this and it needs a little bit of that. And sometimes when I follow a recipe, it actually, it's difficult for me to just follow that recipe to, you know, to the exact measurements. I say, oh gosh, that needs more of this or it needs more of that. Let's throw some garlic in there too and uh, a little bit of, you know more of this other type of whatever i have in my kitchen if you see my kitchen which was remodeled recently and i'll never forget the the uh, carpenter the i had the cabinets made here in tucson and he would say you need one spice rack on the side i said no i need two he says no you need one it's enough and i said no you don't understand you do not understand i need two and plus that cabinet there so i have a lot of spice i collect a lot of spices and i grind a lot of my spices and do you grow them as well um i grow herbs i have herbs in the garden and um i have you know parsley like herbs and cilantro and things like that but um again you know the grove back to the grove um when i came back to tucson i came back to take care of my mom and you were referring to the grove it all came together and cooking came back to me for a while there i was very busy taking care of my mother and then after she passed um i try to figure out so what can I do now I can go back and teach I did also teach in um, elementary American International Elementary School in Saudi I could do that but you know I felt you know there's this wonderful piece of property that I always pass by back as far back as the 70s and it went up for sale one day and wow. I said what can I do in this grove and so I said back to cooking again well, see, it's asking ourselves those questions, right? She just posed a question to herself that then exploded mm-hmm. into what it could be. I, I know, and it's so interesting how all the pieces come together to create the perfect, you know, if you want to say perfect fire, you the know, inside. Fire. And to be able to pick up one's own pieces and connect those things and then make something happen out of that that's such a gift oh you are God. and then of course there's the environment that spoke to you right and you know those of us who have seen it let's talk about 
about that environment for just a moment okay. so our listeners can get a picture. Right? I, I agree. Let's okay. really paint yeah. the picture. Let's paint the picture. Right. So you're driving on a kind of a major road, and there is this beautiful fence, this brick fence with this wonderful uh, wrought iron gate. And the gates open up into the inside of the grove, and you're entering this magic brick It looks like a kingdom. Path. It, it looks like a kingdom, a does. plantation. <laughs> right. With these amazing tall pine trees, which we now know to be date trees, palm trees, but not pine trees, right? Palm trees, uh, which we now know to be, you know, date trees and the citrus trees. And then there's this beautiful house and beyond the, the pool and the gardens. And so how many trees? I've always, I'm so always intrigued by that number. Give us the stats, man. How many? We uh, keep adding citrus trees. trees. You know, this area, this area is a particular interest to me, you know, coming from Tucson. It was actually originally uh, part, my property was part of an actual citrus grove, about 200 acres. And it was first established back in the early 20s by a Mr. Reed, Maurice Reed. And the area supposedly was perfect uh, for planting uh, citrus trees because it was uh, apparently... Um, an area doesn't freeze, sort of like a thermal belt. It's, you know, controversial. Some areas do freeze in a higher ground. But um, anyway, he developed it. And that's why this this road is called Orange Grove. I remember driving on that road and asked my father, why did they call it Orange Grove back when I was much younger? He said, because there was citrus groves here. <laughs> and there's still a lot of the remnants of the citrus trees among the neighborhood in Casas Adobes. So... It's a, it's a nice way of keeping that historical past alive. Mm-hmm. We also have my neighbor behind me, and they also have citrus uh, trees back there, and my neighbor sells at the local farmer's market. And um, so we're all keeping that area alive. And So how this, many trees? Give us the okay. numbers. All right. So, so exciting. I counted. Well, let's, let's take a brief break. You can count your trees. I'll think about, and, it. I'll think about and, it. And, and we'll be right back. Welcome back to Boom Goddess Radio. This is Andrea Goldmarks, and I'm here with my two co-hosts, Jennifer Davis-Page and B.B. Peters, and our guest today, the surprising Sabrina Regas, with a whole lot of stories, a bunch of history, and lots of talent. Welcome back, all of us. Thank you. Thank you. Now. And I'm wondering if you were counting those trees during the little break. <laughs> I have over 50 citrus trees, and we've actually planted a few more in the back back areas. Um, the property is about just under three acres. Um, we also have more than 26 date palms right now. Holy my, moly. My husband is an expert in date palms because his family in Saudi Arabia have date groves, lots of them. So he knows his thing. So this is his environment. He he loved the fact that he can, you know, take care of date date palms and uh, cultivate dates, in which we do now. They and are delicious, by the way. We've had your you. dates a number of times, and they're a little different. They're smaller, but they're so sweet and so tender. We love those dates. Oh, my husband does too, and he's a retired electrical engineer. So engineers need a lot of property to work on because he like they like to build things, and right. they need a lot of they, projects. They need a lot of projects, <laughs> and this was the perfect property when it oh, went up for yeah. sale. And so I said, "This is it." And you know, you asked me earlier how this all 
come to be and why I, I'm doing what I'm doing. Um, a good friend of mine from Greece was in, was uh, visiting me and she looked at this property and she was involved in hospitality and uh, in her past. And um, she says, you know, Sabrina, you have a nice property here. You should utilize it like you, you know, you did overseas because I knew her from Saudi. And um, I said, you know, let me think about this, what she means when she left. And I looked at it and I said, you know, everybody loves coming to visit me. Now everybody visits me. And um, I said, what can I do with this property? I've invited friends to come and pick the citrus and everybody would give me trades for a bottle of wine. They take citrus. I said, great deal. <laughs> great deal. Yeah, that's a great deal. <laughs> so, you know, I looked at it. What can I do? Everybody enjoys it. It's a huge piece of property and it's really pretty. You see the Calita foothills. On the back side, I have a pool. It looks like a resort back it does, there. Truly. Actually, it looks like actually, I, I think Jerusalem. I walked in there exactly. the first day, and it just looked like really being in the Middle East. Doesn't so, it? Doesn't uh, it? It was feel very that way? fortuitous. I also um, planted sixteen pomegranate oh, trees and bushes. Up to hundred almost. I yeah. think we're at hundred. <laughs> and that's coming along. The seasons come along. It's funny because now I have something every season, which is nice. So I'm really, you know, expanding. And then, you know, you asked me earlier about the Urban Grove and what I'm doing with it. Basically, I started Instagram. That's how it started. And with some millennial help in the background, their names. Wonder who they are. Yep. <laughs> the family. <laughs> and they were surprised I already had an Instagram. I just never used it. You know, I utilized it for anything. And I, I decided, you know, they said, you know, just take pictures and put it on the Instagram. I said, oh, okay. So I started that. A little help from my my millennials in the household and then from there i just blossom because my millennials are busy with their own business and so i said well i could do this and so i started taking pictures and what i'm doing what's going on and it mushroomed and let i don't our know, listeners I know let our listeners know what your handle is on instagram it's called the urban grove and um i have a lot of uh followers that are following me every day i post a picture now it's a uh, I, I better post a picture. I'm kind of like, That's oh what no! Happens. And if pressure, I miss a day pressure. or two, pressure. It is. I it's love. I love is. the word she's using. So she's bloomed where she's planted, yeah. and then it all mushroomed. It mushroomed right. exactly. Wow. Spoken like a true culinary oh. artist. Well, wow. you great. have a little. You have a little touch of Italy in your back yard right now i see you've got that wonderful pizza oven that you put back there <laughs> that's my husband's project my husband decided <laughs> he wanted a pizza yes it is and he wanted a pizza oven to add to my urban grove so yes he he's finished and uh we are practicing and working on some recipes Are you making for that. gluten-free crust by I any haven't, chance? I haven't gotten to that yet. We're still trying to get the pizza going. <laughs> it's not easy. By the way, it's not easy. And it's a real oh. oven made out of adobe. So it's not where you just purchase an oven and stick it on a platform there. It's actually a real oven. To our listeners, we're going to, we've talked about Sabrina's beautiful kitchen and the pizza oven. So what we're going to do is uh, put pictures up so that you can actually see her kitchen and the pizza oven in the back. It's quite remarkable. Well, I also wanted to mention how exciting it is that, you know, you happen to love being visited. All the time. By friends, right? Oh, yeah. Not everybody does, so you do. Yeah. So you've kind of invited a whole other, if you will, industry in your property to grow up, and that's that you're doing catering and 
and hosting events. Well, you know, I love entrepreneurs. And through Instagram, my followers are young entrepreneurs, older entrepreneurs, and I find them very interesting. So I reached out to them and invited them to an open house and, you know, free of charge, just have a table. And I picked into, you know, chose the, you know, not so I would have a lot of doubles or anything. And I just invited them. They couldn't, have, couldn't believe it. They're like, okay. So what is it in for you? And I said, nothing. I just wanted to, a lot of people wanted to see where I live. What's the Urban Grove about? So I just kind of threw it all together. We had a friend from Costa Rica who's a jeweler. We had a little trunk show for her. So I had everybody else. And it was a great time. And from there, I had, I have a Urban Grove kitchen that I remodeled. And we have a steam oven. I have to say my youngest daughter was a big part of that. She is a culinary genius in desserts she went fabulous to, she one. went to the culinary institute oh, of america in new york and my favorite city. and learned a lot and taught me a lot you know basically taught me the science of pastry which it's a little mm. more difficult for mm -hmm. me she's the expert in that but um she measures precisely which i don't so that's a little different world for me but um and she guided me and uh, introduced me to the steam oven, of course, warming drawer. So I said, you know, this is a great kitchen. We have a huge covered patio that extends out. And so I said, you know, I'm going to host other people who are amazing cooks here in Tucson. And uh, so I started doing that where I invite people, if they want to do a cooking class, I host them. And uh, we have at least uh, 14 Macs that we can take in that. App, Beautiful in that, table yes. settings that you've posted on Instagram as well. Oh, yes. At different times of day or evening with the sun setting. And it was just sparkling and stunning. I have to give the credit to a lot of uh, local um, planners, event planners. Um, we've done dinners for the Sunday supper for a local event planner here in Tucson. Um, so they're amazing in their decor. I mean, decor is not always my one of my best uh, areas, but I, I do, I try, and um, I'm more of this, the food. But we have also done a, uh, a few events, one recently for the Brunch Babes in Tucson. Brunch they Babes, had a brunch. what a cool name. What a and they're name. a young yeah. group of women, ages from, I think, 20 to 30, early 30s, maybe mid-30s, and mothers, young mothers, and they go around town, and they have brunches in different places. So they reached out to me, and my daughter and I put on a brunch for them. And we invited them, we gave them bags to pick citrus. It really was neat. They very much enjoyed it. My, my daughter thought it was so exciting to see them learn, and she taught them how to take a citrus fruit properly off the uh, the tree without pulling be careful and they just they were just mesmerized and it's so much fun to see people get so excited to pick fruit off a tree in the middle of the city so you know that is you know amazing I, I feel good about introducing that I wish I could invite all the schools but you know with always there's always regulations and things you have to deal with but um, yeah, with yes schools. so we have women's groups we, that come now and I also will rent out this space uh, to events uh, to my grove if they like so I decided you know it just sort of just came to be and um, I will be teaching uh, cooking classes myself I'm putting together a website and uh, 
Get this that is going. mushrooming, all right. So, yes, it is. is. It's I'm mushrooming. not sure where it's going. I have a great <laughs> idea. Yes. Why don't we do an event at Sabrina's? Oh, there wait. Go. That's already in the works. <laughs> this is so adorable. Absolutely. Yes, yes so we're, we're so excited. We're yeah. so excited to be hosting an event there on June the 13th called You Reimagined. And Dr. Andrea, can you speak a little bit to what we'll be talking about? Well, you know, one of the things that fascinates me the most and a little bit um, Sabrina has uh, illustrated that is the whole process of going through change and transition, regardless of our age. I mean, we mm-hmm. could be graduating high school, college. Mm-hmm. We could be graduating from a job that has held us for 30 years. From a marriage. Or from a marriage. Or receiving a diagnosis that's causing us to change the way we eat or the way we adapted, adapt to life or changes in our family. So we decided that we were going to host a day where we really focus on that and what could be a more beautiful environment for maybe a five-hour program than to be at Sabrina's and to also have a little bit of transformational cooking going on because cooking itself of course right is a totally transformational process so it's a perfect way for us to spend five hours with people who are going through change and really teach people how to listen deeply to one another and how to be witnesses and how to share what our individual experiences are because we do learn from each other and we do create community. And look what everyone's going to learn from Sabrina, right? Her evolution, the process that she just described and shared with us about the urban grove is like the prime example of what a person at a certain age, uh, at a beautiful certain age, can do. Or at any age, actually. At any age, can do with the next step of their life. Right, and that's what we're going to be focusing on. We're going to be focusing on what it takes to do the next step of our lives and where do we derive our inspiration from? How do do we metabolize the elements that come to us that we can create inspiration for ourselves and then once we're inspired, we can be motivated. There's nothing like a group of people who are listening intently to be able to add some of the spices to that. Oh, spices. And then we oh, <laughs> right there you go. And then, oh. then we kind of create a little bit of a of a, we all get cooked. So, get we're cooked. really looking forward to that. Inspiration is a big deal, you know. I was inspired by my property. It just like I said, it evolved and it came to me and I I love people visiting me and it's an excuse to have everybody come to my house. And everybody does, and they come to my gate, and um, it, it's it's wonderful to see their faces when they walk into my property through the rows of date palms, and I think it'd be really inspirational for this lovely meeting that we're having and it's going to be fun i think it'll be a lot of fun of course i'll be cooking up a storm and oh, we can't i'm already wait. thinking in my head what, what can i make can't and i'm like wait. exciting and sometimes i just put things together and when people ask me for recipes there you go again it's tough you know okay i'll give you this but you can expand on it you know you yes. can add whatever you want you know whatever yes. your background's from throw it in there but 
you know. So I could also imagine that depending on the day and what's fresh right. and what's exactly. happening. And, and sometimes you even get inspiration from once you know the final guest list. Right. Exactly. I can imagine you putting together something that, mm-hmm. you know, really fits who the population is going to be that day. Sometimes it's experimental, know. too. Yeah. You know, sometimes I'll just make a dish for that purpose in the first time. And people say, oh, okay. <laughs> we welcome experiment. That's yeah. all yeah. part of the I use you process. For our listeners that are interested in, in reaching out to you about uh, renting your space, how many people can you accommodate that's at the question. Growth? Um, you know, that's a really good question because when people call me up, I said, outdoor, I could accommodate practically maybe 200 people the outdoor on the grounds because you've got all the front area and then you've got all the back area so and then the back back area so it depends what kind of event you're having um if you're having an event in the home i usually say 30 people comfortably you know you can add more if it's all standing room and then of course the covered patio it's huge in the back area now we're getting into summer things in the back area or in the front it's a little warm so i would say the season starts up late september all the way through the middle of may depends on the year you know sometimes and so uh our event is going to be on june the 13th mm-hmm. um and people can get all the information they need on boomgoddessradio.com on our website but how do people know what's going on at the grove what's the best way for them to follow you the best way is to follow me on my in my instagram at this time and the website the urban grove will be hopefully out in within the next two weeks Um, And then, of course, I'll have dates and times. I do have now two cooking classes that are happening, one on the 24th, one on the 25th. Of May. Of May. Okay. And then I will also have a chef from the Hub Ice Cream Factory. Uh, We're putting together a cooking class with her. And, of course, she has made some wonderful, delicious Mm. ice creams downtown at the Hub Factory uh, with my citrus, of course, my main ingredient, my citrus. And uh, we are planning some other cooking classes that I'm hosting. Um, But, yes, check out the Instagram at this time. And that's under The Urban Grove. The Urban Grove. And I always post something new um, every day I try or every other day. Very cool. So the, 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 other, the other great perk about your, your uh, Urban Grove is that you have parking. So people that are... Are, are th- that know that you are in the city don't have to be concerned about parking because you, exactly. your husband, has developed a beautiful parking lot. So, so <laughs> another project right, the right next door, giving him something to do. And uh, so there is parking. So so there's, there's no, no ample, problem with that. Lots of ample parking. It's right next door. It's a lot next door that we acquired. And it's, you know, empty, and but lots and lots and lots of cars there. And you could just walk around back to the front and then you just uh walk into my entrance of my my beautiful it's date a, palms perfect, you see them lit up location. at night by the way if you just drive west on orange grove from oracle road you look to your right and you'll see my palms you can't standing miss up them. high you, you can't, can't miss, miss them. them they're so beautiful you can't overshot my gate sometimes i tell people don't overshot it that's right. Oh, right. Got to be signaling. Got to be signaling. Way in advance. Yes, yes. Well, we are so pleased to have had you to ourselves and for you to have Thank given you. us the history, the background, and the current 
context and that's growing too so we look forward to obviously enjoying our event with you and we definitely look forward to more with you thank you it was a pleasure being here i'm really excited uh, yeah. about this thank yeah. you so much thank you we thank you so one more thing there is a secret that sabrina has been carrying very very timely Sabrina, can you tell us about this amazing opportunity that you were given? Well, um, I was asked by a, uh, one of our um, Saudi princes who um, was the, what you would call, in charge of our industrial city. He was like the overseer of our industrial city mayor. And I don't know where he heard about me, but he approached the Amer our American um, head guy of the project who was from Bechtel Corporation from the United States. And he approached him and asked him, do you know of an American woman who cooks Saudi foods and does presentations and lectures? And he looked at him, he goes, oh, that's my wife's friend, Sabrina. And he goes, what about her? He goes, well, I'd like her to do something special because she does seem to know the Saudi food very well. And I have no idea where he heard from me. Could have been from some Saudi friends of mine. I have no idea. We still don't know to this day. But he asked to meet me. And, of course, my husband escorted With me. With secret guards. And, right. Uh, into the building where women were not allowed. Oh, it was on a weekend. So oh, <laughs> and they, they hosted me in his office upstairs with my husband. And it was all Saudi men and their you know, long thopes and getras and my husband too. And I was very solemn and I went upstairs all escorted. And uh, it was funny, everybody was very much on protocol. And then we went into this office and I kept asking my husband, is that the prince? He goes, no, not yet. Is that the prince? <laughs> then all of a sudden, prince, the prince approached uh, my husband and was all excited and he was very relaxed and i said is that the prince he goes that's the prince and so next to him was the american counterpart and of course he was the only american there besides me and he wanted me to do this special project and the project was to cook a luncheon for the um that was hosted from the saudi side business association and the british businessmen association and um, he wanted me to cook authentic Saudi food and I would have helped. And it, what it turned out to be, it was at our palace, the local palace in our area, because the Saudi royal family has palaces in every area. And we put together a menu, the Saudi prince and myself. And he said that there is one thing I need to tell you. There's yeah. going to be a special guest there. <laughs> You'll have to keep it to yourself. Mm -hmm. And so I said, okay, uh, who is this special guest? And he says, well, it's the, you know, Prince of Wales. And so wow, imagine my. somebody telling you that. Wow. And like the Prince of wow. Wales. Wait, is that Prince Charles? <laughs> yes, that's Prince Charles. <laughs> oh. So I ended up... Um, uh, hosting the luncheon uh, for 60 businessmen. We had mostly British. We had some Americans there, my counterparts, the spies that were men that would tell us what's going on the outside. And I commissioned three other ladies to help me. A Louisiana, a Louisianan to help me cook Bamia, which is the okra stew, and in large quantities because I know she was an expert to make sure it doesn't slime. And then, of course, I had help from the wife of the American counterpart. Um, she helped with all the incidentals and table. And then we had another woman 
who helped with the dessert and presentation. And of course, I had the local chefs that also helped. A Tunisian chef who was a little bit, you know, you have to remember I was in his kitchen, so I had to be very diplomatic. And so the luncheon was uh, done um, in uh, the early, after the war, the Gulf War. And um, it came off to a beautiful, beautiful ending and uh, everybody was pleased. And of course, I got to sit in where Prince Charles sat right after the luncheon was finished and when they left. I did receive a menu. I did ask the prince, he asked me if I needed anything else. And I said, there is one thing, your highness. And of course, everybody standing there. And I said to him, he goes, what is that? I said, if you could take one of the menus, I would like you to sign it. And your uncle, the governor of the Eastern province, another prince, another Saudi prince. And of course, Prince Charles, it would be nice too. And he says, be my pleasure. And then of course he asked Prince Charles and the, the servers were all telling me they were signing the menus for myself and for my three uh, helpers who were involved in the project. And thanks to them, we pulled it off. But after all that, for two weeks of cooking, I did receive a call from the United States uh, consulate down the road, and they said, "What? What was this? We hear about. We heard that uh, you served uh, the royal, British royal family in the Saudis." I said, "Yes," and they said, "Touche! Wonderful what an amazing job!" Look at the menu, and just to give our listeners just a little glimpse, yeah, and we can have a like, photograph in our yes, in our show notes. Yeah, so uh, the menu looks like a restaurant menu for all the things that they serve. This is just for one meal it has like three salads uh no it has three appetizers six salads about eight entrees <laughs> and about five different desserts this is a menu ladies and gentlemen <laughs> and you know after this project my friends and i we worked on this for two weeks we had to keep we couldn't tell anybody what we were working on and even you know to let the word out we didn't have in you know internet yet at that time that much and so just to keep the word we had to keep quiet but after all this, and after it was finished, and we sat down in the palace, said, what do you want to eat, guys? I said, you know what? I want a hamburger. <laughs> <laughs> after all this extraordinary food around us, what do I want? I just want a hamburger. Wow. So very what sweet. Well, thank story. you for sharing that, that with us. That was a great <laughs> story. Thanks, Sabrina. You're welcome. Yeah. Welcome back, everyone. This is B.B. Peters with Dr. Andrea Gould-Marks and Jennifer Davis-Page. And we just had the most uh, delicious talk with Sabrina Rigas. And we would like to welcome another guest for just a few moments. Her name is Amy Peck. You may have heard us talking to her in the past about her marvelous gardening in Tucson. Welcome, Amy. Thank you for joining us. Thanks, Bibi. I just loved listening to Sabrina talk about her grove. I have visited her grove and am just green with envy about her green grove and her green thumb. <laughs> so it was really a treat visiting her there. It's and like I'm, a soul sister for you, isn't it? it? Totally, totally. I also love to cook without a book. Oh. And so the event coming up where I get to sample some of her goodies and spend some longer hours there, I'm really looking forward to that. What excites you about this event coming up, Amy? What do you think? 
I our event, our Boom Goddess our event. Our Boom Goddess event. I love the idea of reimagining yourself, especially in a setting like a garden grove, because I think sometimes we get you know, in a rut or feel tied down by our situations or can't really imagine doing anything else or growing in a different direction. And so as someone who's kind of looking on the horizon of being an empty nester, I'm really excited about um, reimagining what life will be like without having all these little mouths to feed around the house all the time <laughs> there's so what many do? different right there's so many different changes that can be afoot in anyone's life you know sometimes we have like i used to write about this i used to write about courting change when life seemed like it was never going to move on I thought, wouldn't it be interesting if I lived in another place or if I had a different profession or, you know, I would imagine change. So that um, the fun of that imagining really helped inspire us to create this this uh, event that we're doing on June 13th. Do you remember the old choose your own adventure books? Yes. I love no, thinking I don't. about I don't at all. No, you don't. Just be, well, probably just because I was not, you know, born in this country, so I might not right. have grown up with those. So, it's um, I have always thought there should be choose your own adventure books for adults, adults you know. Uh -oh. Well, what if I had it's gone to idea. school in a different city? What if I Maybe that's a project we should look at. Yeah, right. Yes. <laughs> we yes. explore all the different well, what ifs that day and re imagine, you know, different ideas for more that we could do. One of the things that's really also doubly exciting about this is that we're really opening this project up to multi-generational group of people because the kinds of changes that people are going through in their 20s or 30s are different obviously than the changes we're going through in our 50s, 60s, 70s and 80s and yet I think that it is there's some very interesting and important similarities that everybody who goes through any kind of transition needs to be aware of, whether we're choosing a transition or whether we're reacting to a change or adapting to a whole new circumstance. Like Jen is going to have her mother visiting here uh, tomorrow. Tomorrow, right? yes. My life is going to change. Absolutely. Um, no more sleeping in late, you know. <laughs> not just uh, visiting. Not but just visiting, right. She's going to be here probably for a year, I'm thinking. She's 95 years old, and she's not been in good health. So, you know, that requires that requires some attention. So, you know, that's what There's I'm one gonna, change. Uh, that's one so change, adapting, right. Adapting, right? You right. talk about, Dr. Andrea, you talk about the adaptation process, right? right. How it leads to creativity and how you're opening yourself up. Well, well how it Jen. demands how creativity. How it demands creativity. You know, so we will be definitely delving into the creative process, not only within each of our individual selves, selves, but also helping to stoke the fires of creativity in one another, because there's just something so important, contagious, provocative about being with a group of people who are 
handling or adapting or adjusting to so many different kinds of changes that we really get to open the doors and the windows and and really get um, more than inspired but motivated to do what we need to Revved do. up. I always feel like my blood is boiling. You know, that's that's how I you get have a high need for stimulation. Things. Yes, that's sometimes. How I, Right. 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 But then there's also the need for solace. And, and, and so we have the wonderful good fortune of being able to conduct this in the uh, urban grove where we will go from meeting in a group to some individual time to small group time to meeting with just one other person. Um, there's so much about this program that is definitely um, instructive and um, there's not one person that's going to leave without really feeling like they have a whole new toolkit for dealing with whatever's facing them. And that's what we need, a whole new toolkit. So many of us have so many different uh, avenues that we're now going down and, and trying to reimagine how to get through them. So this is going to be very, very helpful. There'll be relationship it change. Right. There'll be relocation change. There'll be retiring, rewiring, reinventing. I love how we talk about this and how it is so inspiring to be able to listen to other people and the whole picture of completely filling our senses, right? So it's going to be a completely sensual experience because we'll inhale the, we'll look at the views, we'll inhale the sense, we'll love the participants, we'll be inspired by the participants, and we'll get to enjoy delicious food items prepared by the same woman who created the menu for Prince Charles. Oh my God. <laughs> All the way back then. Right? And so she has come a long way in her skill set so now not only is she a chef but she is a hostess and a caterer and, and a community builder right community did you not get the feeling how she was so connecting with the community with the restaurant owners who use her produce i mean her citrus and her dates and with uh, restaurant owners and chefs and all of that right it's amazing and then there's the structure of the property what it allows for you can wander off you can sit in a cluster i mean we're going to have the the wonderful job of arranging and rearranging so that during the five hours we will really be nobody will leave without really participating and interacting um, with all the people who will be there it's going to be a very unusual and beautiful day and that's on june the 13th right and it's from 10 to 3 and all the information can be obtained on boomgoddessradio.com we'll right. have all the juicy details there and we will and we'll have pictures and we'll have lots of other inspirational information as we move toward that date so at this point i think we've got five weeks out and you will be hearing from us and we've gotten a lot of people calling us about it and uh, so for those that are listening please go to our website and um and get information because we are filling up pretty quickly thank you jennifer thank you amy for joining us Always thank a you, pleasure. B.B. Peters. So and, fun. And thank you to Southern Arizona Video and Harry Findish and this wonderful studio that we so enjoy. Mm -hmm.
For more information, visit our website, boomgoddessradio.com, and follow us on Facebook, Boom Goddess. We'd love to hear from you. Your interest powers our programs.